Welcome, everyone, to It Simply Isn't Done, the Sermon Recap Podcast. I'm Reverend Jess Davenport. And I am Reverend Barry Petrucci. We are the pastors at Chapel Hill Church. And together we are the, the Irreverent Reverends. And uh, like the name would suggest, this podcast is the message from Sunday, where we share the scripture and then the sermon, and uh, we meet you back for some reflection on that message. There will be an opportunity to, if you look down in the notes, you will see a place where you can go directly to the reflection. If you already listened to the scripture uh, on the sermon, or if you just want to skip them all together and uh, just hear what we have to think about it, um, you can go there. We're happy you're here. We are indeed. So the series is Picture This for the six Sundays in Lent, and um, each week we'll have a picture. It might be an artistic representation, it might be a photograph, um, and it will be um, projected, but also in some way represented in the sanctuary with a porch. Uh, that porch is a space where we move from, uh, from the porch to the altar, and uh, the structure we have allows you to see through right to the altar. Uh, well, welcome. Here we are at week... Which week of this, of Lent is this? Week five. Week five from uh, March 26th of 23. Mm -hmm. And Jess Davenport was preaching. Um, what were we on? What were, what were you doing? The word Remind was, us. The word was breath. We were looking at Ezekiel, um, talking about his vision of the Valley of Dry Bones in chapter 37. So you'll hear very... Um, Speak, speak at us <laughs> via the scripture. <laughs> Tell our story um, to our community, and then I had I had some things to say about it. All right. Well, it is all about them bones and breath, and uh, let's see what we got. Okay. Our scripture is from the prophet Ezekiel, the 30, 37th chapter, the first 14th ver 14 verses. The hand of the Lord came upon me, and God brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones. God led me all around them. There were very many lying in the valley, and they were very dry. God said to me, mortal, can these bones live? I answered, oh, Lord God, you know. Then God said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, I will cause breath to enter you and you shall live. I will lay sinews on you and will cause flesh to come upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live and you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I had been commanded, and as I prophesied, suddenly there was a noise, a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to its bone. I looked, and there were sinews on them, and flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. And God said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, mortal, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain that they may live. I prophesied as God commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood on their feet, a vast multitude. Then God said to me, Mortal, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They say our bones are dried up, and our hope is lost. We are cut off completely. Therefore, prophesy and say to them, thus says the Lord God, I am going to open your graves and bring you up from your graves, O my people. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. And you shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and bring you up from your graves, O my people. I will put my spirit within you and you shall live and I will place you on your own soil. Then you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken and will act, says the Lord. A word of God that is still speaking. Thanks be to God. Amen. Friends, won't you pray with me? 
Gracious and holy God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight. For God, you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. We are in week five of Lent. If you have not yet caught the theme, it's breath. Breath. I'm going to invite you to take a deep breath now. A real deep one. Let your diaphragm fill out. I actually forgot how to breathe once. Um, or maybe really more than once. It might have taken a little while. I didn't even realize. I had just moved here, and it was the winter of 2018 into that next spring of 2019. And I started as the executive director at Wesley on campus. Um, and I had a rocky first year. In December, the year in which we receive 70% of our annual income, I learned the year before some paperwork hadn't gotten filed and we did not have our nonprofit status. <laughs> that was stressful. I don't know if any of you have had long chats with the IRS. It's stressful. <laughs> that was stressful. Whew. Right? And I kind of powered through. I'm like, this is stressful, but I'm fine. It's fine. Everything's fine. February, uh, my dad had a serious traumatic brain injury as the result of a freak accident on vacation. He had to be airlifted. Uh, we didn't really know his status for a while, and I had to travel down there to be with my mom during recovery. He's made a really beautiful recovery, but in that month, it was stressful. You know, and I did that thing, like, oh, it's fine. It's stressful, but it's fine. I'm all right. Then in March, um, one of my students died by suicide. It was horrific, and it was an intense compounding of grief and stress, and I was not fine. And during this time, um, I had already connected with a wonderful therapist right when I moved here, right? So I've been in therapy, and I learned I could not feel my feelings. I could not feel them. I could intellectualize them just fine. I could talk about them a ton. Anyone who's been around me knows I verbally process anyway. I can talk about my feelings all day, but I could not feel them. So my therapist was like, hey, you should probably see a somatic practitioner, someone that can help you be in your body. So I did that, and the first thing I had to learn how to do was breathe. And they said that, and I was like, okay, cool. Like, we're designed to do that. I'm alive. I'm breathing. This won't be hard. It was so hard, y'all. <laughs> it was difficult. I did not realize for how long I was holding my breath. Shallow breathing, just right at the top, afraid for the next shoe to fall. <sighs> just powering through. So much so that I had to like lay down on the ground and the first time I got a few breaths where I was able to actually breathe into my diaphragm, I felt loopy. I had not had that much oxygen in my brain in a long time. I felt dizzy, almost intoxicated. I was giggly. It was like, oh, I was breathing again, finally. And I wondered, how long had I been holding my breath? Days? Months? years. I offer that story because I know a lot of us can relate. Whether you have been taught to breathe again or you just know that feeling of holding your breath. I think individually but also collectively. This month commemorates three years since our initial lockdown. What we thought would be maybe a few weeks turned out to be the largest dis disruptive force worldwide since. In our lifetime, we have not seen anything this disruptive to society. We've done a lot of holding our breath during this time to see what we'll be able to do or not do. Many of us had COVID and we literally could not breathe, right? let alone the metaphorical holding our breath to see if we can see beloved family or friends, make any kind of plan. Right? Those of us who have had to work on the front lines of it, holding our breath, making sure we can keep others safe while we have to be safe for our families. There has been a lot of holding our breath. And here's the thing, in our society here, even just in the U.S., we have felt this more than other places. 
We have over a million COVID deaths in the United States. Um, there have been seven million worldwide. So the US disproportionately was harder hit for a whole host of reasons that we don't need to get into. What matters is there has been so much grief and loss and delaying of plans and not sure what's next and holding our breath. We have not been able to process this together, right? How can you process something you're not sure if it's even done? We're just trying to put one foot in front of the other and keep going because it kind of feels normal. That's hard to trust. And all of this was occurring, of course, just with regular life. Just with regular, the ups and downs we always experience as a part of being human, the joy, the loss, the celebrations, the sorrow, all of that happening within this looming large force we don't understand. Wars occurring, famine and hunger. I don't think I'm the only one who needs to learn how to breathe. I think collectively we need to do that. And our scripture for today, Ezekiel, is writing from a tremendous paradigm shift. He is a contemporary of Jeremiah and Isaiah. They're writing from exile in Babylon. And um, just in the briefest of terms, if, you're, if that doesn't ring a bell, right? So we have the people of Israel. They escaped slavery from Egypt. They settled in the promised land. They kind of kicked some people out, but they settled there. Right? They built a temple, it was their center, and there had been a few military skirmishes here and there, but nothing like when the Babylonian Empire conquered in 1586. They destroyed the temple, they enslaved, they killed, they dispersed the Israelite people all over such that they would not have the same identity. Everything was upended, everything had shifted. Ezekiel has his first vision five years into that occupation. Ezekiel is an incredible writer. If you haven't read the book, um, it's, it's really hard to even, even with this sense of this beautiful scripture we have, like he's just a really good, solid writer. It makes sense. It flows well. And then we have these kind of bananas visuals that are incredible, but also gross. The scripture for today is gross, right? Ooh. Like, it kind of, you know, like a nails on a chalkboard when you hear bones rattle, it's like, ooh, I don't want to hear that. Imagining sinews growing on, it's just a lot. It's poetic, it's beautiful, it's visceral. And I love, too, in Ezekiel, he even refers to himself in chapter 20, verse 49, as a maker of allegories, right? So Ezekiel knew what he was doing. He had this vision, he had this understanding, he was writing from this context where folks needed to be reminded, we will be again. We will be again. I also love um, the Lord, right, asking, asking him, mortal, can these bones live? And I don't like the feeling that God is asking questions that God already knows the answer to. <laughs> but Ezekiel does not fall for it. Ooh, only you know. And in Hebrew, there's extra emphasis on that, you, because we didn't actually need the word there. So it's only you know, God. Ezekiel doesn't fall for it. Oh, it's so good. We hear these beautiful words, prophesy to these bones, say to them, oh, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. I will put my breath in you and you will live. You will live. Ezekiel was reminding the people of Israel that they will live again in a new way, in a new way. What has been, what they understood to be previously will not be again. That does not mean that they will not live. They will live in a new way. And God does not leave us in a pile of death, in a pile of dry bones. There is something new that we could not even imagine happening with God's breath. And I also love this reminder that God is with us during the grotesque process of new life. Right? We like to see the pretty parts of new life. Everyone likes that. But this process is kind of disgusting. Right? <laughs> new life coming together and forming again is not pretty. It's scary. It's a little zombie-esque. I think there's a lesson for us to learn in that, that God is with us in the messiness of the new life process. Anything we have 
Anything that we feel like is death or dying or grief, God is there. And I think this really ties into what Barry was preaching about last week when our word was grief. A lot of us have loss, right? We need to feel and process and grieve together. And the story is yet another reminder. Yea, though I walk through the valley of death, dry bones, God, you are with me. You're with us. I think there are some contemporary implications for us in this story today, although we should be careful to not over-identify with the struggle of the Israelites in Babylon. You know, like, we're not persecuted. We're Christians in America. (laughs) So I want to be clear about that. We're not facing the same kind of persecution. Yet we know something about valleys of death. We know something about that. We know what it means to be thrust into a place in society where we feel kind of trapped and unable to process what next steps are. Where do we go from here? While we cannot perfectly understand the Babylonian exile, we understand the context of societal upheaval, of loss, of not knowing what comes next. That resonates with us. So friends, therefore, Can we hear the rest of the message? Can these bones live? Can they become new creation? Another mistake I think we could get into with this scripture is if we only interpret this individually. There are beautiful individual implications, right? During the season of Lent, we do need to be introspective and look in us and see, hey, What needs to come alive again? Where is God breathing new breath in my life? But here's the thing. This scripture is communal. This is a communal scripture to the people of God. This is not an individual mandate. It's to us. Are we ready for new life? Can new life come even here, even now, in our valley of driest bones? And I think this is a beautiful question poised to us just a few weeks before Holy Week, when we celebrate the resurrection, are you ready? Can these bones live? And I'm asking you all, Chapel Hill community, because coming out of pandemic, we've been a bit timid. We have been a bit reserved. And I don't mean um, with like our health or safety stuff. Not that at all. Please, stay at home if you're sick, right? (laughs) Wear a mask. I mean, are we energetically ready to be invested, because to me, we feel a little timid. And we've been pretty self-focused in a lot of ways. That's not a criticism. We have literally needed to survive. It's just a reflection of where we have been. The largest concern for many in the Babylonian exile is how they would worship. The temple was destroyed. Folks were worried about the covenants If they were destroyed as well when the temple was destroyed, how would they know God if they could not worship in the way they were used to? While our contemporary life looks exceedingly different, I've noticed some of our concerns here to be the same. And I'm going to endeavor to be real with you all, and Barry and I do that each week, but I'm going to pull back the curtain a little bit. And I'm going to do that in order to call us into our future together. This summer, I'll start my fourth year here. During this time, I have experienced this congregation as um, really affirming. This congregation gives more substantive feedback about sermons and messages and what you all appreciate in worship. Um, You all are thoughtful. You check in. You care about your spiritual life. And if I were to tell you about the concerns that I hear, the loudest and most consistent concerns that have been brought to me by you all are, when are we going back to... X, Y, and Z. I'm not coming unless X, Y, and Z happens in worship again. Until the music is blank, you won't see me or I won't be happy. And I will absolutely continue having those conversations with you all, but now as an act of pastoral care rather than a visioning of our church future together because what I hear from y'all is grief. That is grief. That needs to be grieved There is this desire to replicate which no longer exists, which can no longer exist. And I have a heart for us in that. I hear that grief. I wish I could take it away 
for you, but I can't. What I can do is help us make space to grieve and process so we can look around and see the new life that is happening so we can dare to let God breathe into us again. Friends, the scripture does not say every dry bone comes back to life. They do not. That is not the promise. That is not the promise in this scripture. We don't know how the bones come back. We don't know how they're configured. All we know is that God takes what is there and breathes new life into it. It is not an exact replica of what was. And that is hard. That is not what we would wish. That does not make us comfortable. But friends, that is. That is. And isn't that often how new life has sprung forth in our own lives? <laughs> Haven't we had that experience? Here in this place, we cannot let a transplanted vision of what church used to be rob us of what God is calling us to do here and now. Here and now. Now here's an example. Sometimes, um, if you've been to the 9 o'clock service, some folks will say, hey, I miss what was before the pandemic. I miss the people I saw there. I miss the amount of people we had there. And friends, I don't know what that was like. I was not here then. I do not know Chapel Hill pre-pandemic. What I do know is in that service, it is smaller. We average about 70 people. What I also know is that every single week, we average 30 households streaming. 30 households streaming that worship service. Right? And we have even more this week, so I'm going to say hello to you who are in Jamaica, Puerto Rico, <laughs> lots of folks in Florida. Some are at home recovering from surgery. Right? New life is happening even if it is not in front of your eyes. And it's not a gift, right? How many of you, like I was last week, have been sick and had to tune in from home? There are folks that primarily, it, that's their community, right? We're their church home, and we might not even see their faces. That does not mean new life is not happening in this place. And here's why I tell you this. I care about your concerns. And, friends, we're ready. I'm ready. That does not mean we have to be fully prepared Right? Readiness is different from full preparation. That does not mean you need to be perfect. That does not mean you have to have it all figured out and all together, Lord knows. Who does? It means that we need to be ready to breathe deep together. So I'm going to listen to you. If you come to me with your concern about you not seeing X, Y, or Z, a thing you previously loved the same way as it was in worship, I will affirm that. I will help you grieve it. And I'm also going to say, where is God breathing new life into your life? Because worship is one hour of 168 we have in a week. What is God doing in your life? Right? I might even ask you that pesky question that John Wesley asked. How is it with your soul? Right? So I don't say that to dissuade you from coming to me with your concerns. Please do. <laughs> but you might have to talk about your soul. Right? You might have to talk about your faith expression outside of what you personally would like to see in a space. And we're ready. We are ready for that here. And friends, this goes for those of us who have joined Chapel Hill, have made Chapel Hill our faith home over the last few years. Now, I'm not saying, hey, the thing you need to do is rush and join every committee or sign up to do every bit of service. I'm saying sometimes I hear, well, I'm not really sure if that's a thing they do. I'm not really sure if that's a ministry they have. And I'm here to tell you, there is no they. There is no they, friends. It is us. It is us. <laughs> there is not an us and them mentality here in this space. If you are here, if this is your church home, welcome, y'all. There's no they. We get to do this together. We are called into this together. So when you dream up an idea for a ministry here in this place or in our community, consider this your invitation to bring it. Bring it to us. Feel that nudge because we are needed. Our particular expression of faith is needed in this community. And friends, we have the rattled bones. We have the sinews, right? We have the flesh. It's time for life to be breathed into us, right? Again, you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to be prepared. You just need to be ready. Are we ready to breathe deep? There is a reason that out front of Kalamazoo, our local organization resourcing our queer neighbors, they call us and they say, hey, we have some direct service work 
we need y'all to do because we know you can. And it falls in the gaps of what we can, right? What they can do. They call us. There is a reason Bethany Christian Services calls Chapel Hill to do interfaith resettling of our refugee neighbors. Because we see that as part of the hard and holy work that Christ compels us to be a part of. There is a reason the UU Church in town wants to partner with us to do meaningful work around reparations for our black siblings. Because we care and we are seeking to understand our role in making racism obsolete for Christ's sake. There is a reason the secular local county children's chorus has their home right here. It is because we care and we want to share our resources for the holistic development of our kids. There is a reason we had a van full go to the Capitol on Wednesday to advocate for safer gun laws with your letters and prayers with us to do justice. Friends, none of those reasons has to do with what music we have here on Sunday morning. Ooh, I know, I know it hurts. None of those reasons have to do with which version of the Lord's Prayer that we say together. No, I'm not saying worship is not important. We spend weeks, weeks planning it. Sometimes we spend hours agonizing over details. It would boggle you. I am saying, friends, it's time to breathe deep. We got to lift our heads up and we got to zoom out and focus on the mission. Oh, mortal, can these bones live here and now? Are you ready? Are you ready to be about the work of Jesus in this place? This is a unique church. A little over 60 years ago, saints, some of whom still worship here, wanted to meet together in a middle school gym because they wanted their faith expression to be put into action in the community and they were dreaming of what an inclusive faith community could be. That is the DNA of who we are. And I know, I know, I'm not discounting anything that the pandemic has taken from anyone. I'm just saying, it's okay. We can grieve and process and we're ready because our community needs us needs us here and now. And I know also, during these last three years, some of us have really felt the fragility of life. It's come more to the forefront. And I've been thinking about that. Life is no more fragile than it has ever been. Life is no more fragile than it has ever been. We might have more of an awareness of it. No one can promise us safety. No one can promise us tomorrow, right? So in the butchered words of Mary Oliver, what are you going to do with your one wild, precious, fragile life? Because I want to love God and I want to love my neighbors. And I want to figure out how to do that with you all. And I think we're ready. I think we're ready. So, whew, in whatever time we have friends, I invite you once again, let's just take a deep breath together. Because mortal, these bones can and will live. Amen. All right, welcome back. Welcome. Hey, um, you you really like that text. I do. And yeah. Talk about that. What what excites you about that text? I like a text that has a lot of visual imagery. Um, so I think that that was helpful, even though it's uh, it's gross. It's a grotesque image. Um, but I also, I have resonated a lot with this text. Um, I remember one of my first annual conferences, and I was maybe 22, and I was able to give the devotion. This was an IGRC to the to the entire crew, so about two thousand people. And um, afterwards, someone said, "Hey, it must really feel like the Valley of Dry Bones for those of you going into ministry right now." And that was over a decade ago. You know, so I've I've resonated with that quite a bit. Um, of what it was it mean to be church in a time where institutional church is crumbling all around us, yet God is still breathing life into things. And, and compelling us forward. So it's a both and. I like the I like the gross imagery <laughs> and the overall just resonance with um, 
where we have been, which is where we have been many times, such that we have the story to help us through these times. Yeah, so IGRC, Illinois Great Rivers Conference. Oh, thank Conference. you, I'm sorry. Uh, it's okay. Illinois no, Great Rivers Conference. I mean, it, so that, that setting, as you say, we've been in this place so many times as, uh, as church folk, as denomination. Mm -hmm. um, I stopped at the post office this morning and someone asked me about the United Methodist Church. What did I just hear about the United Methodist Church? And, you know, so kind of rehearse in 30 seconds, you know, what's been 200 years of history and uh, uh, struggle around that. So, so the sense of um, a valley of dry bones where everything appears to be dead. Mm -hmm. Appearances are deceiving. Sometimes, yeah. Sometimes they aren't. <laughs> well, and, and uh, you know, we, we, we laugh. Um, we've been dealing here at the church with something that smells dead. Right? Yeah. We, there, can't, we, some... can't, we cannot find it. <laughs> this is a big old building, and something smells dead. And uh, some of us can smell it, and some of us cannot. And it has been quite a shenanigan over, over the past, a little over a week. Yeah, I finally smelled them on Saturday. It was the first time I really, because I'm walking around, everybody's, the the female members of staff, mm -hmm. right, seem mm -hmm. to seem to be able to smell it. If you, you have you, you two X chromosomes, you are usually able to smell better. It's, it's a biological fact. So some of us have a leg up on the smelling. It's fascinating. Anyway, anyway, in any case, there's something dead here, and and it's like. Um, there's none of us that particularly want to find it for the purpose of new life coming into it. We want it gone. We want it gone. And sometimes, yeah. frankly, um, th that can feel it can feel that way when we're dealing with structures and institutions yes. that that seem long past their their usable life. Yeah, that happens frequently in church. Um, you know, and in many ways, yesterday's message was specific to this congregation, um, but I don't think it's that specific to many congregations um, that are going through the similar growing pains of having the pandemic accelerate things that were already happening. Um, yeah. You um, began yesterday with telling a deeply personal story about breathing mm -hmm. and, uh, and not your language, but I, I felt it as a point at which you, you forgot to breathe and lo you lost your breath mm -hmm. and um, a lot of stuff going on. You had um, Wesley Foundation had to deal with IRS, which is always fun, <laughs> breathtaking. Um, you had uh, stuff going on with your dad and his health and uh, a, a student at Wesley who had, who had uh, taken their own life. Um, having the breath sucked out of you, right? A lot of us as kids, maybe as adults, uh, take the fall and, mm -hmm. and have the, the wind knocked out of us. Mm -hmm. um, that was an important story for you to tell. Can you talk about it a little bit and maybe, maybe uh, if, 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 it, if it makes sense to talk about uh, any reaction you had to the particular story? Yeah. Um, so in thinking through the talking about breath with a congregation, particularly when I know I'm going to, um, or I, I felt called to in prayer, um, do a little calling of us in together. I thought I, I kind of lay, I need to lay some of myself out there too. So I wanted to think about times where I, too, was holding my breath, waiting. Um, and that's, you know, there have been other times, like you said, like I've, I've been a kid and screwing around and, you know, falling off of bikes. And, but um, in my adult life, it was much it was much sneakier. I didn't realize. I didn't even realize. Um, and still, uh, to this day, I, my intercostal muscles will, will tighten, and I have a hard time remembering, uh, remembering to breathe deeply. Um, and I think... A lot of us could relate to having, you know, just just not getting a break and having something kind of coming and coming and coming, like these waves of things that require a lot of us in, um, in every sense, and then kind of forgetting our most basic functions <laughs> because we're going through the motions. 
So I really felt like one of those zombies that was just doing my thing, but without having the breath of God within me. So it was both um, a physical issue, but I think also spiritually, like I, I had a hard time and um, I'm grateful to have a good, you know, I had obviously a good therapist, but I had a really good spiritual director. And then um, I opened myself up to a somatic practitioner, which for me was very outside of my box. I'm a pretty norm core, you know, Midwesterner, <laughs> like a mom, you know, so I don't, I don't know that I give off um, vibes that I would have initially said were kind of woo woo, but I'm leaning more into that um, and learning that um, there are all sorts of modalities that can um, help us be who God's calling us to be. So I, I didn't get, um, when you say a reaction to that, I didn't have anyone specifically, um, at least thus far, talk to me about that part of the message. I had a lot of response from folks, but not particularly about that story. Yeah. It struck me because um, uh, we have, um, the Board of Our Day Ministry has a member of the board that always uh, does yoga postures with us mm -hmm. and, uh, and break times and giving us an opportunity to, to stretch and and be present in our bodies, even as we're being present in our minds and in our spirits. And one of the things that, that Carol says all the time is don't forget to breathe. Yeah. And when you're doing workouts at the Y uh, and you're, you're bench pressing or whatever you're doing, it's that don't forget to breathe. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's amazing that that is often the hardest part of the process. Yeah. Uh, because we, we think that it just comes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, when I was in the hospital two years ago, um, nurses kept coming in to see if I was breathing because the monitor was showing that I was not breathing. Oh, really? And I wasn't even aware that I would just stop. Mm. Mm. And um, that, was an, that was an interesting thing. And I, in fact, found that, I, that when I was paying attention to it, I do. I'm doing something. I just stop breathing until mm -hmm. I have to... <gasps> And catch up, right? Yeah. And do the catch breath. Um, so, so yeah, I think as as much as that was not a, that was not central to the message, I found it was really helpful as a way for us to kind of collectively go, oh yeah, that's true. Yeah, uh, that, I was hoping for that. Yeah, and well, I think well done. <laughs> well done, well done, you. Um, I in therapy, you said I could not feel my feelings. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I still struggle with that. Um, and I, uh, the way I feel my feelings doesn't look the way other people's uh, feel their feelings. And I'm, this sucks because I work with people, you know, day in and day out with being in touch and feeling their feelings and processing their feelings. And so, um, there have been come times where I've had to practice what I preach. Um, it's very easy for me to think about my feelings, to intellectualize my feelings, to think, you know, to analyze where they're coming from, but to let myself experience them. Um, I, there's a loss of control that I don't feel ultimately comfortable with, um, with my body, right? And so it's, you know, it's hard. Yeah. It's hard. It is, it is hard. Um... And that was kind of the framing of this whole conversation. Mm -hmm. uh, so we've had, you reminded us that you're about to start year four, mm -hmm. which you know, there was sort of a gasp in the congregation because people were like, oh my gosh, because we all lost time yep. in this. And the manner in which you came in and what was going on in your life and, the, the, um, and what was going on in the life of COVID, all of that contracted our time. Um, and what was fascinating about it was that um, we were able to name something beyond our control. And then you pulled us into the things that are within our control. That is one of, um, I have learned that lesson, and that's one of the hardest things, is realizing like you're not always responsible for what happens to you. <laughs> you are responsible for how you show up uh, in, yeah. in response to it. Um, and I... That's kind of tangential, I think, um, but a necessary part of what we're trying to do as a faith community. Um, yeah, and I guess I I had prayed about this a lot, and I told you in the beginning of the week, I'm like, oh, I don't know, I'm feeling nervous, and um, you very clearly said, prophesy, prophesy. <laughs> I'm like, okay, okay. 
was one area where having a co-pastor is, is really helpful in the encouraging. Um, but it's an interesting and delicate yeah, balance of thinking. How do I how do I arrive there and name what I what these folks need? Because I don't I don't know that I wanted to necessarily preach that sermon. I don't know. Um, if you've been in that position too, or like, hey, here's a here's a thing that needs to be said. And it just needs to be said, you know, speak it plain, Meta Hare Carlson, speak it plain for the people. Um, but I don't know that I I didn't relish it. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean sometimes we come up with topical sermons because we need to. Mm-hmm. Something needs to be said. Mm-hmm. Other times the um, the scripture slaps us slaps us upside the head and shoulders with the love of Jesus and and says this has got to be spoken. Mm-hmm. And what what my my sense about the message, like you rarely approach something in a way that you don't feel strongly about. <laughs> That's different though yeah. than being passionate. That is, yeah. and and Sunday was passion. Yeah. Uh, and so, so I was going to ask you to talk about the difference between the two, since people are here wanting to know what this sermon thing is about. How, what's the difference between those? Yeah. Well, I. Um, it's interesting to have to talk about because there. Here's this. You know this art that we do, and I don't know that everyone kind of fully gets it, um, what what it means to write a sermon or what homiletics, what the process is like, and it's individual. Um, and I do think it's a kind of art that we put out, um, and we do public speaking, you know, every single week. And so there's the general kind of creation of a sermon, and I'm I'm guessing our processes are ultimately similar. Um, you know, but there's the seeing the scripture and, and we're doing a series which we kind of dreamed up together. So this isn't a series from anywhere else. But the momentum of it when we were planning of it and then in the nitty gritty of it just feels like it's flowing really well together. So I had already sketched out some ideas, you know, that's what we kind of do and, and what are some illusions and what are some ways to get there. But it was really your sermon last week that kind of I was like, oh, oh. Mm-hmm. You know, like I okay, I'm I'm sensing where we're at. Like I have a better picture now with that building on where we're going, and um, and what people need to hear. So there's this. We had a whole week where we made space for the grief, and um, I'm I'm really passionate about this because I too want people to be able to feel their feelings, and I I have this sense of like here in this congregation, we are. Um, we're like on the edge, we're on the precipice, but we're not fully committed. And it comes kind of in waves. But I'm not sure that we all have the kind of investment in who we want to be. And my sense is because we're still grieving and we're a little bit afraid of what that might look like. And so I am passionate about um, thinking through like, well, what if we have to look up our, if we have to pick up our heads and look out at the horizon, we don't need to just look at our shoes anymore. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> in terms of what concerns we might have, I think our concerns, if we really thought about it, would be much broader and more in line with our values. And I'm ready to get to the point where in addition to um, the affirmations, which are, again, you know, kind of looking down like, hey, you all did a great job. Here's what I like about worship. You know, everything's kind of in a, in a little bubble. And I think here we kind of bubbled ourselves off. My, my passion comes from saying, hey, this community, like, they need us. Look at what's happening. <laughs> Look at what's happening in our state. Look at what's happening in the nation. And how unique is it that there's a congregation um, of folks who are really poised to do some meaningful ministry with ourselves and within the community. I, I don't know. Yeah, and you name that really well uh, by kind of ticking off all of the, not ticking off as in irritating, but <laughs> ticking well, off who knows? As, in, as in the checklist. <laughs> Of, um, of groups, organizations, churches within the community that want to partner with Chapel Hill because we've got unique resources uh, and unique values that they, they, want, they want to be with us. And in All fact, of that happened too in the last 18 months, really. Yeah, and, and the other challenge that you named in, and I felt like were delicate and helpful ways that I'm planning on following up on this next week, um, is that we've, got, we've had a lot of new people come mm-hmm 
during COVID. A yes. lot of people coming from other churches that, that have been going through the same kind of breakups that our denomination has been going through. Mm-hmm. Um, and and Chapel Hill has positioned itself in such a way that people that find themselves too progressive for their particular tradition come here. Mm-hmm. And you were able to say, you know, you don't have to wait. It's not us and them. Yeah. Right. It, it, it's us. And you don't have to wait for somebody to invite you into something. Um, this, this is, is a place. <laughs> this is a place where we honor uh, the, the 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 creation of ministry from someone saying, "I I have this idea. I see this need." Mm-hmm. Um, that was that was really helpful, um, and it, it was it was more of what we talked about some time ago when we were talking about allowing things to lay fallow. The reality that not all of those bones would rise up. Mm-hmm. You know, not all of those bones would rise up. And so um, to celebrate, foreshadowing this coming week, to celebrate <laughs> that which, which does rise up and to resource uh, the, the new life. What are we yeah. sourcing that new life? What else? What do you? What else do you want us to think about that you were trying to do? Yeah, um, I'm not sure I ever answered your question really about what the difference between feeling strongly or passion mm-hmm. is. Thank you. Um, and and the truth is, I'm not sure. I'm not sure I could articulate it or know. Uh, there are times when, like in my own words, I would say like I I get after it, and that was a sermon where I got after it in, in my own the experience of it um, for someone who's so used to words. Sometimes my experience with, um, with the Holy spirit feels hard to, hard to explain. And that, that to me felt very much like a, I was a little bit kicking and screaming uh, about some of that message. Although I don't think that would have registered at all because I was, I was getting after it. And I, I felt like, um, you know, I'm not normally a person who would say like, you know, God put this message on my heart to give to the people. <laughs> That's not language I would use. And I, I think we all needed, we all needed that and to be reminded like, hey, um, it's, it's okay to feel sad about who's not here anymore. That's okay. And um, we got stuff to do. You know, <laughs> like we, we have, we still have a mission and the mission isn't to be mired down in what is no longer. And I, I don't know that that's, um, it's really interesting because after the sermon, <laughs> I think there was probably four elders who were like, you know what? I know you've only been here for four years, but that same thing has always happened. <laughs> and then I'm like, uh, in my head, I'm like, okay, well then it's time for a culture shift. And there is this interesting sense that, um, you know, Chapel Hill, this church that we're, so it's a, it's a, it's a regional church. It's kind of a suburban church. We're a mid-size church. We're not big and we're not small. So we do have to have these conversations about consumeristic expectations of church. And, um, you know, like I'm not your God waitress. So you can't just say, like, I don't, I wanted this rare. This is not how I like it. I'm going to send it back and I'm going to get what I want. Um, you know, worship is the work of the people and you and I will articulate every single week. We don't get our preferences. You know, if we, if we were just in a bubble designing worship to our perfect liking, it would not look that way each week. And oftentimes it is much better. Um, so I, I don't know. I just was kind of thinking about how to, how to name some of that in the context of grief. Because I think that's where a lot of it is coming from. Um, I, there will always be a few folks that are just a little persnickety. And, sure. And we love them as well. Well, and, and, and <laughs> what people uh, are just beginning to get, which you, you remind us again, is that the community... Is not just the people who are in worship, yeah. and in physically in mm-hmm. the sanctuary. It's beyond that into into the in, internet world, mm-hmm. and it's beyond that mm-hmm. into people who have never stepped foot and yet understand this uh, theologically and ideologically to be their church in the community, even if they've never stepped in. I mean, we have people that are that are relating to this congregation through largely secular means, mm-hmm. and yet this is what they consider to be what their church ought to be doing in the community. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's a, a really unique gift that sometimes, you know, in our, in our being mired down of what previously existed, we can forget that here, Hey, here's this new thing that's already even happening. You know, behold, can you see the new thing before your very eyes? 
Um, and I'm, I guess maybe just too for our um, our pastoral leadership. I that's where I want my energy to be. I want to help people grieve whatever we need to grieve, and and you know we're this. Yeah, we cannot put all our energy there. No, no. Um, and there's no reason to at this church. There is a lot of new things and exciting things happening, um, such that that you know we're not we're not a dying church. <laughs> like there's a lot going on, and some things do need to die. That's part of life. So I'm not sure if I have much else. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. No one came with pitchforks. Um, you know, so that so was, it was good. a good day. Yeah, that's it's a good day. Um, yeah. No, I, I heard lots of wows and I experienced the wow myself. So, um, for what it's worth, well done. Yeah. Um, yeah, thank you. It's, I'm sure you will agree. It's interesting being a, a conduit or a vessel for this. You know, we take this really seriously. Um, and I know you and I, I think, both preach with relative ease. Um, as many pastors do because of our training and our experience, but it is an immense uh, privilege and one I don't think we undertake very lightly to be able to get up in a pulpit and talk to people about God. Um, yeah, and it's the per perpetual return of the sermon. This is happening every week. Mm -hmm. You know, thankfully, there's two of us, and we get to we get to share that that responsibility. But um, it's speaking a word that we understand from God to this community in the context of a world that every week is throwing new stuff at us that, mm -hmm. that uh, we need to consider in that, in that sermonic moment. Mm -hmm. Sermonic moment, a phrase I have never used before. <laughs> and, and probably work, should not again. Work, I'm to never do it again. <laughs> oh, goodness, y'all. Well, thanks for, thanks for hanging tough. Um, and if you're, Curious and want to talk about this more, both Barry and I are are open to the conversation. We'll see you next week.